dollars and cents making that paper and bringing home the bacon. Hey friends, and welcome to episode 119 of It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. I'm your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick, and today we're talking about money, honey. And if I'm being honest, until somewhat recently, conversations about money, finances, really anything dollars and cents, investments, retirement, whatever, all of it made me feel really awkward and a little bit uncomfortable. I know I'm not alone, because for most of us, financial confidence isn't something we're just born with. It's acquired. Fortunately, Sarah Becker of Becker Talks Money is here to help us acquire that confidence just a little faster. So let me tell you about Sarah. You might remember Sarah from back in episode 18 of It's About Time. She joined me for a conversation about being a multi-passionate entrepreneur. And one of the things we dove into back in episode 18 was how she took four months off in 2019 to travel. We talked about how she prepared financially in order to take a four-month sabbatical without stressing about finances, her business, or making ends meet. Since you last heard from Sarah, she's taken her financial savvy and opened a brand new business, Becker Talks Money. And here's her official, official bio. After 10 years as a wedding photographer, real estate investor, and small business owner, Sarah Becker kept hearing the same story from her friends over and over again. While outwardly successful in their businesses, they were utterly failing in their financial goals, if they even had financial goals. So she started asking every businesswoman she knew about their money. And along the way, she learned that only 2% of the female creative entrepreneurs in her network were happy with the state of their finances. Sarah believes that money doesn't have to be scary, that curiosity is more important than correctness, and that everyone can become an expert of their own money with a little help. When she's not crunching numbers, you can find her renovating a river cabin with her partner, Barry, taking her dachshund, Gus, for a long morning walk, and planning to have Asian food for dinner again. In today's conversation with Sarah, she shares what she's learned about money from running multiple successful businesses. She tells us what the FIRE movement is and whether you should consider joining it. She talks about how to get over the intimidation factor of talking about money And she shares the first step you can take today to feel more confident about your finances. One thing that helps me feel more confident about my money game is staying organized. When I know where all of my financial logins, passwords, details, and bill info is, it helps me stay on track. One of my favorite ways to stay organized is with my Emily Lay Simplified Planner. The Simplified Planner is beauty meets function with thick paper, an hourly schedule, gold binding, and gorgeous covers. I've been a Simplified Planner user for years, and the simple formatting of each page helps me stay organized and on track with whatever life throws my way. Head over to AnnaDCornick.com forward slash Simplified to see my favorite Simplified Planner products and how I use them for better work, life, and balance. I'll also be sure to link this in the show notes. 
And speaking of show notes, I know you've got a lot on your plate and you might be listening to this episode while you're running errands, folding laundry, or getting dressed in the morning. And you're not exactly able to jot down notes easily when you hear something you want to remember. But don't worry, I've taken notes so you don't have to. You can find all of the financial and productivity tools and resources mentioned in this episode over in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 119. And with that, it's about time we get started. So let's get this show on the road. You're listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Around here, we believe that busy is not a badge of honor. Your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, is here to share tips and strategies to help you make the most of your time. Listen in on real conversations and success stories to find out how other go-getters are getting things done. If you're ready to step away from the overwhelm and spend your time on what matters most, then you're in the right place. Here's your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick. Hello, Sarah. Welcome to It's About Time. I'm so excited to have you back. How are you doing? I'm doing so great. I'm so excited to be here as a returning guest. It feels like coming home. I'm like so excited, but also comfortable and as always honored to chat with you in any capacity, whether we're grabbing a coffee or we're recording our conversation. (laughs) So you might remember Sarah from back in episode 18, where she joined me for a conversation about being a multi-passionate entrepreneur and doing all of the things. So if you've never listened to that episode, definitely go back and hear Sarah's story. But if you're just now meeting Sarah, Sarah, I would love for you to tell us in your own words, how you spend your time. Are you still multi-passionate? What's going on? Yes, yes. So I'm definitely a serial entrepreneur. Kind of like I chatted about in the last episode, I started my entrepreneurial journey in 2008. I have been a wedding photographer, which I still am. That's my bread and butter for a long time. I co-owned an elopement company with our mutual friend, Logan Dorries, who's the CEO Mm -hmm. now of the School of Styling. Um, I've dabbled in real estate. I co-own a commercial space here in New Orleans where we live, and I also own a few residential properties. And now I've kind of pivoted into taking all of the financial knowledge I've learned from each of those industries. And now I am a financial educator for female creative entrepreneurs, just like us. Um, I'm also a financial writer, a financial advocate. I love taking on people's financial issues within their personal life and their business and figuring out how to make them work, how to make your money work for you, all that good stuff. Oh my gosh, I love it. Um, so you're almost like a, a financial therapist in a way. Because... Yeah, I wish there was. It's funny because my actual therapist, when I was right. talking to her about this, was like, oh yeah, like I get this. Um, and I wish there was like a financial therapy certification that I could go through. Maybe one day there will be. But people have told me over the years I would be a great therapist, but I'm, mm-hmm. I don't want to go back to grad school. So being so nerdy about money, it's just nice, a nice little Venn diagram. Money and therapy, putting it together. I love a Venn diagram. We'll have to create a Venn diagram and put it in the show notes. Oh, I would create a dozen for you just based on anything I, anything we talk about today. <laughs> that brings me joy. I'm going to hold you to that. I'm going to, I'm writing it down. Venn diagram. Timestamp it. I promise. Love it. Okay. So you just mentioned a lot of things and I'm going to need yes. a little bit more. Totally. Commercial properties and rental properties. That yes. so, so that sounds like a lot. Does that, does that keep you really busy? 
tell me a little bit more about that piece, because I find that to be really interesting. I mean, obviously, I find, you know, the photography and all of it very interesting. But uh, yeah, tell me a little bit more about the, the real estate side. Yeah. And I think focusing a little more on the real estate makes sense, because I think a lot of creative entrepreneurs are interested in getting into real estate. They don't really know where to start. And I always say that if you have dealt with clients in a small business, you can deal with contractors, you can deal with tenants, like it's a Mm -hmm. very similar skill set, just in a different context. Mm -hmm. So when I first started getting into real estate in 2015, the commercial space took up almost all of my time. I mean, I would say like, I couldn't put my photography business on autopilot for about two years. So it was like maybe 20, 30% of my time was spent on the photography business. The other large percentage was spent on this project as it was gutted after Katrina and we were completely building it out. So that was a lot of active work. So when you say commercial space, I'm picturing a bank. What kind of commercial space are we talking about here? Yes. It's a guest house. So it's an eight suite guest house here in Mid-City in New Orleans. Yes. Mm -hmm. So that took from 2014 to 2016, that was a big part of my life. And then I managed it for about a year and a half, two years after to really learn the ins and the outs. And now I had two partners in that business. And now one of the other partners manages it day to day. So now it's really completely off my plate. I really just pop in when needed, which isn't a lot. And now I'm able to focus. I went back and started focusing more on my photography business, grew it. That's around the time that Logan and I started Pop-Up's Love as well. Uh, And now, of course, Becker Talks Money, my financial education piece, is a much bigger part of my day-to-day than the real estate is now. However, my husband Barry and I have purchased several residential properties together. He owned several before we got together. And the management of those takes more day-to-day time than the commercial at this point. Interesting. So I know you mentioned that a lot of creative entrepreneurs are curious about real estate as a form of passive income and investment opportunity. But I think that there are even a a lot of my nine to five style professionals who are also interested in what that type of investment could look like. Because on one hand, it seems really exciting to maybe buy a house and flip it or or put some things into it and create an investment property. Um, And it seems like something that anybody could do if you know what you're doing. Yes. I always tell people like, what's the worst that could happen? Like sometimes an investment is so large, it feels very risky. I always recommend people start low, you know? And Mm -hmm. I, we really have a lot of advantages because again, my partner Barry is so handy. We Mm -hmm. do a lot of the work ourselves and we have learned through mistakes over the years, like what properties make sense for us, what properties don't. I think that it is an amazing source of income and it's also very satisfying. Like Mm -hmm. I love a project and, you know, when Barry first bought some of the residential spaces, he was still working a corporate nine to five job. Really? Yeah. He was an engineer for many years. So he was working not really nine to five, more like seven to five and then coming home and eating a quick dinner and then going to the properties and renovating, painting. So it is a lot of work, but if you're not scared of the work, I think Mm -hmm. that the dividends last forever and you can really build an amazing like financial foundation for not just you, but also your family, for your kids. I mean, it real estate lasts forever, which is an amazing thing about it. Interesting. I feel like that opens up so many possibilities. So, so you've told us a little bit about how you, your photography business is your bread and butter. Like that is what you are spending a, a pretty good portion of your time on. Uh, you've also got the rental properties 
but what else, Sarah? What else do you do with your time? Uh, what do you do for fun? Tell us about life outside of work and all of your projects. Great question. We have a five-year-old son, so I spend a lot of time with him. <laughs> yeah. As all of our parents listening know, that is, is parenting a hobby? I don't know. It's kind of like a forced hobby, but it is. <laughs> Feels yeah. like a kick water time. Um, and I love reading. I spent a lot of time reading. I recently have rescued a few dogs that I've been fostering and adopted out. So we purchased a house in Mississippi about two hours away from us, like a little cabin on the Leaf River and found some dogs out there. We bought the property. So I <laughs> took them in and we got them fixed and vetted and fostered, adopted out. So that was a big hobby for a while. <laughs> and, wow. then I, and then before the pandemic, we traveled a lot. Yeah, so, yeah. And I think we talked about that a little bit in my first episode because that was a mm-hmm. pre-pandemic episode. But mm-hmm. I think that I traveled about a third of 2019. Yeah, that's right. That yeah, was a big part of that conversation and how was, you financially prepared to do that. Exactly, exactly. And it's so funny how much life changes uh, because that's really not something that I've been doing. So I've really been focusing more on the real estate investments and building this new financial education company. Um, Because we've been home. We've been home a lot. So tell me this. You've got the photography business. You've got multiple properties. You've got a five-year-old. You've got a lot going on. How exactly do you keep all of this straight day to day? I love lists. I make a lot mm-hmm. of lists. Um, when I was in college and everyone was starting a blog, I don't know if you remember <laughs> like the Zanga years. I do. I, remember, I think I had a live something. Well, it was live a- journal? Yes, I had a live yes. journal back oh, in the day. Yes. I would be Absolutely. so mortified to find that. Um, okay. So mine was called Becker Makes Lists because I literally, even in college, made lists all the time. And um, fortunately slash unfortunately, it's definitely still live. You can mm-hmm. probably find it because I got locked out of it at some point. Same, um, yeah. I really, I'm really not embarrassed of it, though. I mean, as an 18-year-old <laughs> goes, like I think plenty of 18-year-olds make worse decisions than being yeah. like, Here's a list of everything, you know. Um, <laughs> so I use a lot of honestly free tools. I love mm-hmm. Google Keep. Google Keep mm-hmm. is like my I love it so much. I also use Notion, which is yeah. something I've just gotten into in the past year or so. And I love Notion for setting up like bigger projects. And then I use my Google Keep for the day-to-day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also love that I can, you know, share a grocery list with Barry or I can, you know, share lists is really helpful. Um, and Google Calendar. I mean, Google, yeah. would you sponsor me? Probably not. You don't, need it. you don't need the money. Everyone uses it anyway. But I'm a big Google fan. And, you know, I've tried paid things and none mm-hmm. of them work with my brain as well as the Google. So That's so interesting. Yeah. Uh, so Google Keep, Notion. And I was recently introduced to Notion. So at Clockwise, we use Notion for yes. our, for our uh, company guidebook. Uh, oh, and yeah. it's such a great you know, you can really start with a blank slate, but, uh, and can create whatever you need to out of it. So that's really cool to hear it, that you use it for bigger projects. Google Calendar, same, love Google Calendar. It's been so great for me, for clients. Um, you can, you can use Clockwise with Google Calendar, which is also a big plus. And, uh, so, so are there any go-to apps that you use to keep yourself straight? Uh, Because you, you know, you've got five-year-old schedules to keep up with and you've got, rental properties. Uh, how do you keep track of things on the go? Literally my Google Keep app. It is like really? I live in there, my Notion app. I live in it. Um, everything that I need day to day is in that. Financially, I love Wave, which is also an app. You can get it on the internet. You can get it on your phone. <laughs> um, it's called Wave. And it is 
such an amazing tool. It's basically QuickBooks, but for free. Um, hopefully QuickBooks won't come at me for this, but I have used QuickBooks over the years um, and we still use it for our commercial space because it's kind of what our accountant requires. Mm -hmm. But for, you know, I, I, so we'll get into this a little bit later, but I always promote budgeting annually for fluctuating mm -hmm. income. And mm -hmm. through doing that, I was like, I'm spending $600 a year on QuickBooks. Wow. And that seems a bit exorbitant. Yeah. And I found Wave Apps in 2016. Love it so much. It does everything that QuickBooks does, but in my opinion, in an easier way. And it's 100% free. Fascinating. So who would you recommend Wave to, aside from everyone? Everyone. So literally everyone. I mean, <laughs> I, I have worked with people who own retail spaces who use Wave as like also their payment processor. Like it is definitely not something that it's like, well, once you top out at this amount of employees or sales, you need to move to QuickBooks, like not at all. And it's such a robust program. And not enough people know about it. Fascinating. Well, now we all know about it. So yes. we're going to have to check it out. And I will definitely be sure to link Wave in the show notes in case anyone is interested in checking that out. Yes. And something that has been on my list for this next quarter is to do just like a free Wave tutorial. So mm -hmm. I will definitely be doing a series of videos and checklists to kind of get people set up in it. I find it very intuitive, but I also know these programs can be a little intimidating. So mm -hmm. I want to be able to show people like if you have an hour, you can set it up. Yeah. And then you can be rolling for a while. Oh, that feels very empowering. Really? Yeah. I could set up Wave? Yeah. <laughs> Me? <laughs> yes, you and a Dearman Cornet can do it. Wow. You know, I think that you just touched on something that comes to mind for a lot of people whenever we hear the word finances or budgeting or accounting software. <laughs> and that is intimidating. You know, yeah. all of it can feel like a lot if you don't have a background in that, in, in the financial world, which I know a lot of us don't. I know that, you know, that we've got some accountants listening and some finance folks listening. And, I, you know, I love that you're probably, you're listening in and you're thinking, yes, yes, all of this, this is great. <laughs> um, but if you're not, but if you're not, if you don't have that background, this can feel like a lot. And Absolutely. I, I know that you are trying to, in a way, put a new refreshing spin on this whole financial thing. So tell me a little bit about Becker Talks Money and what exactly you have planned. Yes. Okay. So absolutely. I really want to demystify the money space for female creative entrepreneurs, especially. And I want to remind everyone that we are not educated on how to do this, right? I saw this great tweet and it was like, when I was in high school, I was like, could I learn how to like budget? And they're like, no, learn how to square dance. You know, like right. the public school system, even Pythagorean theorem. Yes, yes. They do not, they do not empower or educate people on how to handle this stuff. So I think a lot of people, when they come to me for consulting, for financial setups, everyone feels bad. Mm. Everyone feels like I should know how to do this or mm -hmm. I should have done this already. And I just want to remind people that's not true. Like, where did you learn this? Where are you supposed to do this? You know, a lot I of I learned how think, to balance a checkbook in high school. Yeah. Yeah. And how many times do we balance checkbooks now? You know, not a lot. There's not no. a lot of checkbooks happening. Mm -hmm. um, we got to keep that education flowing, you know. And um, a statistic that I think about a lot is that 75% of women don't invest in the stock market and nearly 40% of women don't have a retirement strategy. So when you couple that 
with the creative entrepreneur space where you don't have an HR department saying sign here for 401k right. or I'll explain to you this. You have to figure it all out yourself. And you know what else you have to figure out yourself? Literally everything else. Yeah. So all these urgent things of like, I need a website. I need clients. I need da 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 is obviously going to be more important than what to do with your money because you need to make the money before you figure right. out what to do with it. So that's where Becker Talks Money comes in. I come in and I help you figure out how much money do you need to be making? How much money are you making? Are you spending? Let's budget annually. Let's for let's figure out what are your goals and how can we hit those? Like what are your plans for five years, 10 years, 15 years? And how can we set you up financially now to make it there? Because what mm -hmm. I don't want is for wherever you are now in 15 years to wake up and be like, I should have started then. Mm -hmm. Or if only I had known I wanted to do this then. So it's a lot of goal forecasting and then planning accordingly. How did you learn all of this, Sarah? So I really learned all of this through experience, through what I really had a leg up growing up because my parents were extremely conservative and frugal with money. Um, a lot of my family members are very into the stock market. I have family members who are stockbrokers and were CFOs and stuff like that. So I grew up learning this stuff and how important it was. And through my 20s, made a lot of choices that I think my friends were like, that is very odd that you are maxing out your retirement account at 21 or, you know, what have you. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, when I met my partner, Barry, he also um, is very, you know, into finances. He's part of the FIRE movement, which stands for Financially Independent Retired Early. Oh. So, yeah. So Barry, when he left his corporate job in 2014, hasn't gotten a, you know, normal job since then. He's basically a full-time landlord. He renovates all of our properties and stuff like that. So he has a lot of knowledge how to do that. So kind of together... I've learned through a lot of those things, through a lot of reading, you know, NeuroLearn, mm -hmm. and then also owning three completely different types of companies and businesses through my 20s, and then meeting so many. I mean, all of my closest friends are creative entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. and I was always the person at like lunches and cocktail hours who would talk about money or get asked questions about money. And so I really felt like over the past few years, I've been doing this very casually just for funsies, so to speak. And, mm -hmm. you know, I started getting so many inquiries about it, especially during the pandemic when people mm -hmm. were having to really financially shift. So I was like, I think there's something here. I want to mm -hmm. do this. Mm -hmm. And I sent out a survey to about 100 of my closest, like, colleagues. And I learned that only 2% of them are happy with where they are financially. Wow. And I was like, it's time to start this. And yeah. let's up that percentage. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. You know, you can only go, oh, you can only go up from here. 2%. That is, yeah. that is heartbreaking. Yeah. Only two people out of a hundred were like, yeah, I feel good about my money. That is, that's amazing. Yeah. You know, if you have ever seen a picture of me on Instagram or on my website, chances are Sarah Becker has taken it. And one of the benefits, in addition to spending time with Sarah and her sparkling personality, is that we're taking photos and I'm I'm asking questions and I'm learning from her. And over the years, have I, I really noticed that you just had a knack for this. You have a lot of confidence surrounding all of these financial topics. And yeah. one of the best uh, Mexican lunches that I have ever <laughs> had was with you talking about all of these different financial topics, because I've been in that position where I've been intimidated. It seems 
so big. I also felt like I should have figured this out by now. Why is it so hard? What's wrong with me? And if anyone is listening right now, feeling intimidated, maybe you're inspired by Sarah and you want to take a first step. Sarah, what's a really good first step that someone can take in order to get a little bit more confidence when it comes to their finances? Absolutely. So I have a blog where I post what I think are very informative articles to kind of get started. I post every Monday. If you were looking for some free resources, you can follow me on Instagram at Becker Talks Money because I'm always popping in there chatting about different Mm -hmm. tips and tricks for finances. But if you were like ready to really dive in, I offer a deep dive session. It comes with a really, I send you a very long questionnaire. I will help walk you through it. And we collect kind of all of your financial data, where you are, where you want to be, dive into it together on a couple different calls and give you a customized spending action plan for your business, for your life. That is something I've been doing a lot of this quarter and it's been so rewarding. Um, And I think it's really like people really connect with it, really are able to make some big financial changes. So I'm definitely open to any creative entrepreneur who wants that service. Please reach out to me. I'd love to see if it's a good fit. Okay, y'all. So I know we could all probably use a little more time in our day, right? You're no stranger to busy schedules and intentionally filling them up to the brim because you just have so much to get done. But sometimes it feels like you don't really ever have the time to just slow down and enjoy the simple things. Simple things like when my toddlers are giggling and playing nicely together in the backyard, or when a Sunday afternoon nap sounds too good to pass up. We all want more time to enjoy these kinds of things, right? Well, if you love personality quizzes like I do, then you're in for a treat. In my new quiz, which you can take for free at AnnaDKornick.com forward slash quiz, I'm helping you uncover what it will take to get you from chaos to calm, to finally feel like you have space in your days. I know it can feel downright frustrating to keep using the same old time management strategies that just don't seem to work for you. You've got the planners, the calendars, apps, you're doing all the things, but you still feel like you have no time. And that's because you need time management strategies that work for your personality and your life. In my 10 plus years working in crisis communications and chaos management, and all the time I've spent with my clients, I've learned that everyone has their own needs. And knowing what those needs are can really help you discover the best approach to planning your days. Knowing yourself can help you ease up busy schedules, and find more calm and clarity in your week. Do you want to know how to get there? To have more breathing room in your days? Let's figure out your time management personality type so you can uncover exactly what you need to do to feel more productive, less stressed, and more balanced. You can take the quiz at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, and I'll make sure to link to the quiz in our show notes. All right, on with the show. And so let's say that someone is listening and they want to be a part of the FIRE movement. What is that financially independent retired early? They're like, oh, that sounds good. Sounds great, doesn't it? 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm rocking and rolling every day in my nine to five. I am looking for like fulfillment outside of work. I want to quit my job. Yeah. Um, what recommendations or resources would you have for someone? Would you give someone in that situation who is interested in being a fire? <laughs> being a fire. Yeah. No, absolutely. So yeah. there are some great resources, including a book that I recommend to everyone, even if you're not interested in the fire movement. It's called Your Money or Your Life. It's mm-hmm. a very short book. It is like very concise and really kind of explains how we tend to trade a lot of our life for money. That's what we're all doing, mm-hmm. right? And like, mm-hmm. how can we tweak that a little bit? So that's a very motivating, practical book. I'll also say the best thing you can do to go fire is practice uh, earning more and spending less. That is That is a huge part of how you get to a fire number, which is something you'll hear a lot about in the fire community because typically what people are doing are living very frugally, investing a lot of their money. If you're in real estate or the stock market, we did both um, in order to get like kind of a sweet spot, like a 4% return is what people uh, plan on living on after you hit Mm -hmm. your fire number. So people will talk about a lean fire number, a fat fire number. And <laughs> what? Yes. Okay. So lean means, okay. So for instance, let's say you have a million dollars invested okay. in the stock market. Okay. You can plan to take out $40,000 a year without hitting that principle, right? Okay. That's very conservative to think that you'll get a 4% return. So that would be a lean number for a lot of people. A lot of people are like, yeah, I mean, I could live on 40K a year. I may not enjoy it. I may have to like budget really hard, but I could do that. And then people also choose like a fat fire number, which is like, oh, but if I had, you know, two and a half million and I could pull out, you know, 100K a year, whatever. So I will say that the fire movement is like like any movement. You should take what serves you and leave the rest. Mm -hmm. I love working. I don't have a, you know, number or age in mind where I stop. But what I will say is that I love freedom as well. And so mm-hmm. I love having a flexible schedule. I love that I don't have to work a nine to five. You know, I love that I'm able to be multi-passionate, be an entrepreneur. Um, and so what I take from the fire movement is more principles that help me do that versus mm-hmm. help me leave a corporate job in 20 years instead of 40. Got it. Yeah. Cause you like working. I do. Yeah. But on my own terms and that's like yes. a problem. I know that you have chatted about the Enneagram sum on your podcast and I am an eight, the challenger, which means I hate being told what to do. Um, so if I had a boss, I'm sure I'd be like, I got to lean fire my way out of this. But since I'm my own boss, it's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned your money or your life. So I've got that and I'm going to make sure that's linked in the show notes. Are there any other books that you would recommend that we check out? I, so I'm worried that I'm a little too nerdy. Like I get a little in the weeds. Um, (laughs) go ahead. How about, how about this? (laughs) How about a super nerdy recommendation, a semi nerdy recommendation, yep. and a like accessible in- entry level. Okay, I love it. I love it. Entry level, your money or your life. Absolutely. Okay. Mid level, the psychology of money helps okay. you understand why you're doing what you're doing. If you really want to nerd out with me, Bogleheads Guide to Investing. Learn so what? much. <laughs> <laughs> See, I knew. Okay, John Vogel, he started he started at Vanguard, which is now, you know, a very um, well-known investing service. It's where mm-hmm. all of my money is. Um, people who kind of follow his principles are called Bogleheads. Uh, there's Bogleheads. Bogleheads. There's a great little forum on the internet um, that I am on. You'll never find me, though. It's anonymous. Um, and people can talk all about their financial questions. I obviously don't keep any of my money anonymous, though, which is kind of the LOL of it all. 
Um, I'm happy to talk about anything money related, but they have a book, Bubblehead's Guide to Investing, that really informed a lot of my decisions once I had money to invest, how to invest it in the stock market. Interesting. So you actually just touched on something that I think hits a nerve for a lot of people, and that's talking about money. What is it? There's some saying about how you're not supposed to talk religion or politics at parties or something like that. And I feel like money is that third pillar there that so many people feel reluctant to talk about money, which means that they're reluctant to ask questions and show their what they don't know or their lack of confidence around money. Maybe they were raised in a home where you don't talk about money. And so therefore you never learn or you never understand what can we do about this? So I think the biggest thing we can do is recognize what is behind not talking about money. It's not money, right? It's not like I have 20 Money is just a tool. It's like a piece of paper. Money is just a tool. But I think what money symbolizes for people is the problem. Like money can symbolize power or lack of it. Money symbolizes vulnerability, whether you have a lot of it or none of it. I know Mm. people who are, you know, stealth millionaires who will never tell you that they're millionaires. And why? Because they don't want to be taken advantage of. And I know people who are in tens of thousands of dollars of credit card debt that you would never guess. And they don't want to tell you because they want you to think that they're all right, that like the life you see on their Instagram is like really what's happening and that everything's fine. And a question I get asked a lot is, how do I make decisions for me, not financial decisions based on what everyone else is doing? And what I like mm-hmm. to remind people, and I mean this in the kindest possible way, you don't know what other people are doing. You never know someone's financial life unless you're in it. And if something looks too good to be true, it is. It's credit card debt. It's a lot of credit card debt. Uh, I mean, and I just like to remind people of that, that if you're like, I don't know how she's paying for that, the answer is she is not. Hmm. Um, I like to say girl boss or girl broke, you know, like... <laughs> <laughs> a lot girl of people, boss or, or girl, girl broke. broke. Yeah, like a lot of people are girl broke, but they want to appear girl boss. I feel like I digress a little bit there. Anyway, money. I liked it. It was a great digression. Okay, good. <laughs> because, yeah, I think the most important thing about talking about money is to realize that, again, it's not about money. And a lot of people don't want to talk about it because they have issues with something else. Like maybe if you don't want people to know you have a lot of money, you have issues with boundaries. Mm. Like maybe if you don't want people to know you don't have a lot of money, you have like issues with vulnerability. Those are all normal and fine to have. But I think understanding that that's the issue, not how much money is or isn't in your bank account, is the first Mm -hmm. step to figuring out how we move past that. And I I am always a little surprised at how uncomfortable people get. I think people Mm -hmm. would rather talk about politics than money. I think you're right. I I was actually talking with a friend of mine yesterday who is going to, she's going to be my new CPA. I guess I can say she is is my CPA now when like we haven't like signed anything, but like she's my CPA. It's fine. Amazing. And she actually was one of my time management coaching clients. And so now we're flipping, flipping the script and I'm going to be one of her CPA clients. And I told her, Kimberly, I feel like you're going to see me naked. I'm going to feel very exposed here. And you're going to see like what what's going on below the surface, what the numbers look like. And I said, this is this is a big deal. So please know, like, I I feel very I do. I feel very vulnerable here. You're going to basically see me financially naked. (laughs) Yes. uh, Yes. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. And I want to shout out to Catherine Masters, who you may know, who is a wedding photographer. She also co-owns a coffee shop here in Louisiana. She's also a serial entrepreneur. And she sent me a bunch of her financial information 
Um, she booked a deep dive with me that I'm so excited to do. But when she sent it to me, she said, I feel like I'm sending you my nudes. Yes. Like this is. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, they're safe with me. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's interesting because when I when I had uh, another CPA, I didn't feel that way because I didn't know him on a super personal yes. level. And so it just felt very transactional. But I almost feel that working with someone who I know well and trust and just like that conversation with you over margaritas in the Mexican restaurant, it was it's able to happen at a much deeper level because there's just like a level of trust there. It's a different type of a different type of trust with with all of the the money things. Yes, absolutely. And I had a client recently when she when she sent me her like testimonial and her review, she said that. She trusted me so much more than even like a, her financial advisor through her workplace because she knew I didn't have an agenda. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I'm mm-hmm. not trying to get her into like a certain fund. I'm not going to get a commission off of anything right. that I'm telling her. And I also think there is something very valuable in going to someone who can relate to you a little bit more, mm-hmm. like women helping women. There are a lot of men in the financial space. Yeah. But it's totally okay. There are some differences though. And how Mm -hmm. we approach the context of which we grew up that then allows Mm -hmm. us to approach our life milestones, I would say, is just different. So, Sarah, as we're wrapping up our conversation together, which literally we could continue talking for five days and never run out of things to talk about. (laughs) We'll have to to do that sometimes. I would Um, love that. what, What advice can you leave with us that can help us just feel a little bit more confident when it comes to our financial lives. Absolutely. So number one, knowledge is power. So many people tell me, I'm scared of my bank account. I don't even look at it. I don't know how much money I have. I don't want to know how much money I spend. Trying to put a boundary between yourself and your money, like how you use your money. Again, it's just a tool. It doesn't say anything about you. It's not, you need to know where is this money coming in? Where is it going in order to be able to handle it? So I would say the number one thing is like literally today, open up those accounts, print them out, get out a highlighter, like go to town, like really get to know yourself financially. If that is like super scary, call me and I will, I will do it for you. I will help you. So I would say that's number one. And then number two, there is kind of a corny saying in the investment world that again, I'm sure a man came up with, but the saying (laughs) is, um, you know, the best time to start investing was a decade ago, but the second best time is today. And I really want to make sure people understand that like it literally is never too late to start. Today's always Mm. the best day to start. I have a client right now who's in her late 40s and I just presented her with like, here's a plan. And she was like, oh my God, I had no idea I could do this at my age. Like, that this amount of money could still turn into this if invested properly. And so I just want to encourage people that it is literally never too late to start. That's exciting. It is. I'm so happy to hear that. Well, Sarah, thank you again so much for joining me for this conversation. How can we keep in touch with you? How can we uh, take in your super fun financial advice. And I, and I mean that it is super fun. Her Instagram account is just really fantastic. You're not sharing a bunch of dry, boring. This is how you do money. It's really fun. It's great. It's entertaining and it's educating and it's a breath of fresh air in a very masculine, dry, 
buttoned up and often intimidating industry. So thank you for creating that space. Thank you for saying that. So my Instagram is at Becker Talks Money. My website is beckertalksmoney.com. So you can find me there. I'm very active on Instagram and on my website. You can always send me an email. Hello at beckertalksmoney.com. Love getting emails, love getting DMs. I'm always going to get back to you. So please use me as a financial resource. Wonderful. Well, thank you again so much. I feel excited. I feel energized. I'm going to go look at my accounts right now. (laughs) Yes. This was so fun. You know, I could have talked for so much longer. I just love being with you. So thank you so much for inviting me a second time to be on your podcast. Yes. Thank you for saying yes and coming back. And I will talk to you soon, Sarah. Thanks again. Bye. And there you have it. What began as a conversation about finances quickly felt like a conversation between friends. And I hope you felt like you were right there with us enjoying a cup of coffee and talking money. That's what Sarah does. She takes the intimidation factor out of finances and helps you feel more confident and in control of your financial future while having fun along the way. You can find links to the tools and books that Sarah mentioned, plus links to stay in touch with her by visiting the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 119. You can also find a link to check out my favorite organizational tool, the Simplified Planner, in the show notes as well. And before you go, let me tell you about next week's episode. Next week, we're getting in the zone, the productivity zone. Alexandra Beauregard, the amazing woman behind the productivity zone, is joining me to talk about systems, routines, and how to simplify, organize, systemize, and schedule. Definitely don't miss it. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to talking with you soon. Thanks for listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Head over to www.abouttimepodcast.com to join the conversation. Check out the show notes and dive into bonus content so you can start living your best life today. Love this episode? Be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.